I'm Christian Humes. And I'm John Paul Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. And today, we are celebrating this very happy day of July 31st, on the date that we are recording, of Harry Potter's 38th birthday. Today, we will be discussing Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Now, is this the day that, um, as we are recording this, it's his birthday, so isn't that the day he also gets his letter, finally? Well, his on his 11th birthday, you get your letter. So he was born on uh, July 31st, 1980. So he would be 38 today. And when does he go to Hogwarts for the first time? When he's 11. So that would be 1991. No, I'm talking about like what time of like the year. I'm assuming it's, a, it's like, like the August. Fall. Like, yeah, August, September. Typical school year. So we're basically going the same journey as him. Yes. So that's kind of fun. It's uh, It was a fun little release window for our show to take place during this time. So, John, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, a very different movie in many ways from the first one. Any initial thoughts and feelings since this is your first viewing? Uh, Le Chambre de Secrets. Um, I, I kind of the both of these movies are directed by the same person, so they overall kind of have the same yes vibe and the same tone and the same kind of pace to it. So uh, there was a lot of things I liked about this movie, and then other things that I think obviously are better in the first movie, just because I think the simple fact that you're it's the first one and you're kind of going into that world whereas this one i think mm-hmm. they i think they kind of rush some things and you just kind of suddenly you're just like okay we're back at hogwarts and it's <laughs> <laughs> and we're already in the the adventure and there's not you don't yeah. really get as much school in this one that's true you don't you don't uh although there the school that you do get in this one i found was great because they showed off some new things i always like when they try to show you different parts of the school or the world in each movie because they cl- they clearly can't fit a little bit of everything so they usually try and show you like oh here's a different corner of that world yeah and i felt like the uh professor sprout was cool with the you know sort of outdoorsy kind of gardening classy at the take um that was kind of the only one, <laughs> other than yeah. other than the new dark arts teacher. But and we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the movie and let's start. Uh, yeah. And let's uh <laughs> let's head back to Privet Drive at the Dursleys, who've given uh Harry's now upgraded from underneath the stairs to now he gets Dudley's second room. <laughs> his yeah his second bedroom. Because... I love that. I love that line. That was my favorite. <laughs> it's like because oh we gave you a Dudley's second anything. bedroom. You know. It's it's just the whole thing is unbelievable to me. You watch these people and it's it's hard to understand how they could have so much hatred for this child, especially since he was there as a baby. Like it's not like he was brought in later and he was this other kid that was raised by these other people. Like they could have made him anything, you know? Yeah, and and almost it would have been interesting to see them almost change in this go around like in the beginning maybe in the first one you have them be so kind of wickedly awful and then this one it's like now that he's been gone for let's say a good portion of the year and he's come back and and there's even been you know uh he's had notable uh achievements and of heroism and it would be almost interesting to like that they weren't still an abusive like family and well i think there is a bit of that with the fact that he gets that bedroom i think they're a little bit afraid of him now yeah but you know yeah yeah there almost is like he like uncle vernon is sort of 
he's hesitant almost like he hates it but he he does like by giving him the second bedroom he's like okay i guess like you are special and you are important to some yeah well and i think he's also trying to play up you know that role he used to have this sort of domineering role over harry which i think he knows he doesn't technically have anymore if harry wanted to just fuck him up with some magic he could even though he's not supposed to he's not supposed to use magic yeah. Um, but my, I think home. my point was that, like, when it would have been an interesting dynamic to see, like, almost Harry having some sort of conflict about leaving. You know, you get what I'm saying? Where it's like they set it up yeah. so much so that, like, they're so awful that, like, of course he wants to, like, go back to Hogwarts, you know, yes. every year. So it would have almost been interesting to, like, yeah. maybe have a hint of, like, hey, you know, this ain't so bad. Now I'm being treated like not a terrible, you know, scumbag. <laughs> Yeah, there's sort of that uh, escapism, you know. They make the the main character have this very cruel home life, um, which I think some children are able to resonate with. And then others, it it does just, like, show, like, okay, like, this kid is not happy at his home or in the real world, and he gets to escape to this magical world. It's not just unhappy. like that wish-fulfilling. It ends up, like, Uncle Vernon starving him. (laughs) Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) which is it's terrible it's bad but um then harry gets a visit i i heard about dobby before i knew he's a character that looked kind of cute even though he looked like a weird burn jeff sessions and a, and a rags kind of thing i forgot how annoying he is yeah i i wrote like that he's an asshole in my notes i mean he is he's such a jerk i love him at the same time i actually really like the character but he's so annoying, and until you understand later in the film, until they recontextualize his character, you just think he's just this mischievous, just annoying distraction for the majority yeah. of the movie. And it's and it's not just he's an annoying distraction; it's that he's also like an emotionally like uh, self-inflicting like he's just kind, he's like the worst kind of like combination at this phase when he's like. A, he's, like, fucking with Harry's life, and then B, he's also, like, when and Harry confronts him about it, or, like, is, like, basically, why are you doing this? He's, like, oh, I suck. My life sucks, and starts, like, hurting himself. Well, and so this <laughs> this is a thing where, and it was left out of the movies, they didn't do a great job of explaining it the same way they do in the books. It's a lot more detailed, and the discussion around the slavery aspect of House Elves is much stronger in the books. It's a, an entire plot. It's barely even a subplot. It's a, so significant. Um the house elves themselves are in a almost like life debt in the way Jar Jar Binks is, except they're actually slaves and there's a magical bond, like a magical contract. So the family he belongs to, if he tries to do anything outside of their orders or against them, he physically like has, it causes harm to him and he has to like cause harm to himself. So it wasn't just like, he's not like emotionally abusing himself for attention as much as like he, to be able to help yeah. Harry will physically have to cause him that pain. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a just very like, weird it's, system. It's like the worst kind of person to be around. Yeah, it's. I mean, no, he's. <laughs> look, if Dobby is anything, he's definitely a downer, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, you also feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel bad for him, and then yeah, and like, good thing that Harry eventually becomes Abe Lincoln and frees the house elves, you know? But right. It's well uh, in the books. I mean, we'll yeah. get to it later. In the books, though, it's a much bigger story that involves um hermione and they totally drop it from the movies but that's like later in the books and later in the series so now, do they do we see any other house elves in the, fu- in the yeah, future yeah no, the house elves will continue one? to be a part of the story okay 
but we'll see people other than Dobby. Yes. Okay. And then is he like the most unhealthy looking version of like a house elf or do they all kind of look the same? Uh, they they look some, I mean, that's what a house elf looks like. Okay. So they just naturally all look kind of like downerish. You're not going to come across any happy enslaved house elves. Okay. They're all going to, that's just what slavery does to you. But is, so are there freed house elves? Ah, some, or are they all, but not all, really. And if the ones that only exist are like under. And if you're free, you're not really a house elf, I guess. Okay, so there are elves in this. I world. don't know the complete ins and outs of it. I mean, we're here to talk about the movies. I have read the books, but I I don't know the exact details. I don't know if they're called elves, what the nomenclature is correctly when they're free, if they're free elves, or if they're just elves. They're non house elves, uh, but not all house elves are enslaved the majority of them are but like i said it's also not going to be a big part of the movie series even though it's in the book i'm assuming that they didn't want to cover slavery as a big right and it's just children's they just don't have enough time for everything is ultimately politics of freeing slaves which is i was just simply bringing it up to say that it's a much it's a much bigger part of the books than the movies but as far as the details are concerned you're not going to see almost any of it in the movies okay and then um dobby he ruins Uncle Vernon's uh, uh, sale to the, you know, basically their, their dinner party. Um, and he drops the cake on the one lady's head, which then causes Uncle Vernon to then lock Harry in his room. And is uh, it's implied that he's starving him. <laughs> like, what? Right. Uh, Uncle Vernon's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, I hate this guy so much. I hate him more than Dudley because Dudley is just the result of Uncle Vernon and Petunia, but they're the adults in this situation. Yeah. And he's he's pretending to be nice to Harry, and the only reason he's giving him that fucking room is because he knows that if Harry got sick of his shit, he could just flick his wrist and turn him inside out. Yeah, and yeah, and he wants to kill his owl. He wants to starve Harry. He locks... He puts, like, a an excess of a number of locks on his door. He bars the windows... He basically builds him a prison. Yes. Which is worse than, I think, even living under the stairs. This is the most extreme thing he's ever done. Well, when he was under the stairs, it was like solitary. He had that little slider. But he could leave. Uh, I think he got locked in there, dude. Did he? I thought. Yeah. Okay. Because he had that little slider on there for a reason, remember? He, you see him get actually thrown in there. The door gets locked, and he, he has that like little window. Maybe I'm just reminiscing on the golden days. Of under- yeah, on the golden days when he had the nook under the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, uh, Ron, I mean, uh, Harry doesn't get uh, left there for long because Ron and his brothers come and save him. Yeah. In a flying yeah. car. Which was kind of cool. It was yeah, cool to I, see the flying car. I thought visually kinda, it's a interesting, something you haven't really seen before. I mean, since maybe uh, Greece. <laughs> or the original Flubber. Oh, that's true. Flubber, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Model T. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this uh, breakout? Well, I thought two things. I loved seeing Uncle Vernon fall out of the window. It was wild and it was very cartoony. Yeah, that was great. It looked like he was going to die. Um, and the other part was when he's grabbing Harry, he holds onto him by his sock and his foot, and it looks like his shoe and sock are about to come off. And he would would have been great if he had just been holding onto that. Yeah. Because I thought like, oh, is this like a little visual? foreshadowing that the director snuck in but no they cut away from it at the last second would have been perfect if he had been holding that sock yeah and then at the end he only has one sock that he uses and so then when you see at the end he has no socks 
Right. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Or it could have helped just like give him the idea almost. Yeah, that he's got one left. Uh, right. Be- because there's a lot of that, like something small happens earlier in the story and then they use it in a bigger way later in the story as like a solve. Also, like another note about something that popped in my head. Um, the opening shot, and it kind of shows like the neighborhood that they live in. I thought like in the first one, they don't they they keep it pretty small as far as framing to show you like just the street. And then they show you like a big wide shot in this movie and how like expansive this suburbia is and how like almost like. Yeah, he's in he's in the real like he's in a but town. It's sort of like it's suburbia like on steroids where it's kind of like almost ridiculously like almost like it's kind of like Brazil or some sort of weird like uh, alt universe. Oh, society. I didn't think it was that crazy. It's kind of, yeah, I don't know, maybe it just it looked a little strange. I think that's because you grew up in Arizona, and I grew up on Long Island, where the suburbs are like 8 million people. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's weird to see like <laughs> British suburbs like that. <laughs> yeah, but I guess they're like, they seem to be not far from London. Yeah, it's true. Like, I would say they're probably an outer city suburb, especially with how well Uncle Vernon does. Yeah. You know? I get that. Um, then... We go to the Weasley house where... Yeah, the Weasley house is dope. It's not It's not bad being poor if you uh, have magic, John. No, because um, it doesn't matter. Like, what's, like if, if you can create material <laughs> out of like, thin air, what's the point of having material wealth? Or Yeah. Uh, which is kind of interesting to see, like, the dynamics between families like the Weasleys and others like the Malfoys, where, like, it seems like the Malfoys are much more about, like, the look their look and their presence and their almost their power and it almost seems like they do also value wealth compared to the weasleys or the weasleys are just like yeah we'll keep using the same car for 50 years and we'll live in this barn basically (laughs) you know on a farm somewhere so yeah it's um it's a really curious thing because their their home is like seaside it has this amazing country spot like it's beautiful they have this amazing, like, huge area of land to them, but they're considered almost like like destitute because they're not like this rich, magical family. But who cares? Does it matter? Because it's like you're also like, again, it's like material wealth doesn't really matter. So it's like, and also no one's really going to see it other than other other magic born, right? Because muggles aren't going to see this as explained. It's like they're kind of right. hidden from the real world. So it's like i guess whatever they're comfortable with yeah and i mean the thing about the muggles is there's basically muggle repelling charms so these magical places like ron's home or hogwarts or um you know diagon alley they are sometimes sealed off by like portals that let you enter them or other times there's charms that keep people from ever finding them it's like you're like headed out and you're like oh i left the gas on like the charm made you think that and then you return home so like you never actually like get to the place it's like a truman show like thing except except, yeah uh, exactly you're not contained you just can't go to certain areas (laughs) but because harry and ron are approved by the ministry of magic and they're magical beings they're able to for instance find the train and they're able to like head to hogwarts they wouldn't run into the problem of what a muggle might have trying to get to any of these places or see them i see I see. Um, I guess we'll we'll talk about later when they talk about the other because we, we previously talked about uh, Magic Born and then also Squibs, uh, and then we'll mm-hmm. talk about the mm-hmm. third thing. I guess when we get to it, uh, which you didn't yeah. want to say because it was a bad word. It's a bad word. It's a bad word. <laughs> I'm not going to use the M word. Okay. Um. So then, 
<laughs> they travel to uh, Diagon Alley through the chimney uh, portal. Yeah, which I I love this scene. Also, how about that nice little uh, like cute moment between Ginny and Harry, where like Ginny was so nervous to even say hi to Harry. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cute. Uh, yeah, just like um, yeah, it's like he's got she's got a crush on him. What what crazy? It must have been such a crazy task to consider casting for a series like this like okay you need to cast a family and all those actors are going to be on board for the next eight, like seven or eight movies yeah and i think they did a really good job casting like all the weasleys for the most part yeah um yeah i think rupert grint is great as ron i realized in this movie how I, f- I feel like harry was more cast for his like facial expressions more so than his like actual acting mm. um because he had mm. some good like reaction shots in this movie <laughs> yeah but but sometimes yes, his did. line delivery is a little off and you want to here's an interesting thing is the kid that plays draco malfoy was originally supposed to be cast as harry potter i could see that but it's almost like you're too Thank evil God kid that didn't. <laughs> yeah no he's a great draco i'm very happy he didn't plus I, I mean you know i think they they got the perfect harry in my opinion yeah um, and, I, and i can also like it, it makes sense that later that harry you know daniel radcliffe will end up being played like by will end up playing like a rotting corpse that's used for other things, you know, in Swiss right. Army Man. Like it's like he's got the he's just got a really good physical, I think, aspect to his like kind of acting. Yes. Uh that I think works. So a lot of people want, you know, for the inevitable reboot of Harry Potter at some point in the future, which my dream wish, and I believe a lot of other people feel this way, is for more like an HBO or Netflix series, like a ten episode series. So like a season per book. Because then you, they could really do the books the, justice the full, and like, not. Yeah. yeah. And then you bring bring back some of the original cast. Like Daniel Radcliffe could be Professor Snape, you know, or he could be like Dumbledore. And you could get a lot of those actors to probably come back. And, you know, Rupert Grint could be Mr. Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, it would be great. Um, I think like a little passing of the torch like that would be really fun. Uh, it'll happen one day. Uh, there's no way, you know. That it wouldn't. Uh, so in in uh, basically Harry screws up the spell and ends up in the seedier side of Diagon Alley, which I thought was the cutest thing. I love that where he says diagonally. Yeah, diagonally. Like, and then she's like, "Did he say diagonally? <laughs> diagonally." Um, and then so he ends up in like a voodoo shop. Um, yeah. And then comes out and there's like what basically the equivalent of like hookers in in the wizarding world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's in the bad part of town. He's where like the dark magic is, which is funny to think that like in this sort of more magical like upbeat world, there's just like the the Crackton section. Of... <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's more just like like you could you can dabble in dark magic. It's not all necessarily illegal or anything, but it's it's like adults only. Yeah, the red light you district, know? basically. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of flu powder? Because they just I love how they just keep introducing new things yeah i think it's it's like a cool like um you know introduction to another piece of i think magic that's important as far as like transportation yeah um and just kind of i think it's just like yeah i i uh nothing really much to it just i thought it was cool um so so then he meets up with hagrid um they go out into the streets he runs into hermione who fixes his glasses again? Yeah, we have it's like that moment, like when you go back to school, like your sophomore year, and everyone's like a little bit older, 
Uh, oh, yeah. Can we just talk about how much they've aged <laughs> from the first movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, keep in mind, they're basically the right age for the characters, though. Yeah. It's it's similar to we talk about on another show. We talk about the show Wishbone. And, you know, going from the first season to the second season, there was a, a, a big age jump, at least. Um, yeah. And so Joe and David uh, saw pretty significant like change physically whereas like sam said the same and i think in this episode or this movie uh harry and ron grow up whereas like uh hermione again, to a degree but not as these much, are only a year apart though so like they yeah. were only a year older but the gulf in the age of like 12 11 12 and 13 you know like 11 going on 12 12 going on 13 that's yeah. a huge amount of time for these kids and there is, between Ron and Harry, there is a lot of, like, squeaky voices going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a part where, like, I think later when uh, Ron is, like, freaking out about spiders and stuff, and his, like, voice is just so squeaky, and I'm like, I can't really tell if they're like, all right, uh, we, his voice is cracking so much, so let's just, just keep doing that. Like, don't try to talk normally. <laughs> Well, and in this movie, you really see them transitioning into the way that the actors look today. Like, the next movie is the last time they really look much like children instead of, like, tiny adults. Like, there's something, like, about, like, the age, you know, 11, 12, 13. Like, once you turn about 13, you really start to settle into, like, okay, this is going to be your face. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're losing Harry's the face, sort of child-like it, face. In yeah. The... Daniel Radcliffe's face changes dramatically from the first movie to like the fourth movie yeah his his kind of head goes from like circular to more like stiff and like straight <laughs> almost it's like it, it's an interesting thing to watch but anyways uh everyone kind of says uh hello and reunites um we meet at the bookstore there's the book signing from is it what's the teacher's name gilderoy oh my god gilroy lockhart he's the gilroy. most annoying fake Magic. He looks like a Vegas magician. Yes, the wonderful Kenneth Branagh. John, I thought he was going to be the villain. You thought, he, yeah, he is a little bit of the villain. Yeah, but like kind of the way that uh, Quirrell was in the first movie, kind of like it was like, I was like he he had written all over him that I was like, oh, he is something to do with something going on, and yeah, they, he is sort of, but not in the way you think. So I like that. And he's the new professor of uh, Defense of the Dark Arts. Which I feel like is kind of shitty to Snape, right? Yeah. Because Snape wanted it. <laughs> yeah. And they keep, like, fucking which, him over. Yeah. <laughs> which I kind of love. <laughs> it's a, yeah. It, Fuck it's Snape, like, man. People, like, just hate other people for no reason. And, you know, Dumbledore just keeps trying to shove it all down in the cellar so no one can find it. You know. Well, and then, so, John, I, I have a little bit of bad news for you here. Okay. Gilroy Lockhart is a Ravenclaw. Ah, shit. <laughs> That's fine. I'd rather have... I, I'm fine with, like, one thespian in the group, uh, you know, to kind of... <laughs> to sell the... To sell it. Because he's, he's a good salesman. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, he is a good salesman. And as much as he is a fake about his abilities in magic, he clearly knows enough about magical creatures that he's able to sell these lies. Yeah, it, there's something also not to get in, like I know we like keep bringing in sort of current politics uh, to a degree, but like there is some some semblance of Trump in this guy. In well, the he's sense a con that, artist. Yeah, like but he like kind of has also the similar hair 
Yeah, and like, he's, he's he's a he's definitely a con artist. Yeah, but his like you know his thing is like he's good about selling it, but then he takes the like an actual like bureaucratic position of like having to do work, <laughs> right? And you realize like it it's not gonna work out because it's like it's not his thing. Like he what he takes what's arguably like the most important magical class. Yeah, and I think because. I guess like we don't really go into why he does it, other than like it ups his his appeal, his like brand. Right. Yeah. That's why. That's the only reason why. Okay. <laughs> you know, he just keeps selling the lie and just digging his hole deeper. Um. Then Lucius Malfoy comes in. This is where we like we really meet Lucius Malfoy. Ah yes, Jonathan God. Isaacs, the great Jonathan Isaacs from everyone's favorite bad British guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a magic Nazi. Oh yeah! Oh yes, yes, yes. He's he's he, him and Draco. They just you know kind of like the Dudleys. It's just like right from the outset, they're just you you you're selling them as these bad guys. <laughs> huh? That's interesting. I didn't think about the Dudleys in the way that they're similar to the Malfoys. They're like the Muggle version of the Malfoys in the way that they hate magical people. It's it's not like they're the similar, but in the sense that like. No, I mean, they really are. Like, they torture Harry. Imagine if Harry wasn't their own blood. Like, they would probably have no problem with magical people being all killed off in the same way that the Malfoys don't like uh, muggles. muggles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was more going in the sense that there's, like, a lack of nuance in terms For of, sure. like, it's just, like, they wear their character on their on their sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think, again, like, that's going to be something there'll be more and more nuance as the books get go on. Um J.K. Rowling definitely writes more nuance and degrees of complexity into the characters as the characters of Harry, Ron, and Hermione get older, because I think also it's just harder for younger children to understand things that aren't as black and white. And as you get older and your own emotions and views on the world get more complex, the characters, as you understand them, suddenly become more complex, which is really one of the most brilliant things about the books and the story itself is that the stories themselves become more mature and more complicated as the kids get older. I like mine reversed. I like them to start off really complicated when they're 11 and then get easier <laughs> as they get older. Everyone just gets really black and white. It's like you're either you're either good or you're bad. Yeah. Uh so then Lucius Malfoy, I just I had to say this, like oh, yeah. he's super evil, but he also reminds me a little bit of like Melania. Like he's very there's something very like effeminate about him, but also just like cold. And like not emotive, and not in the not in a way that I'm saying the actor is not emotive, but the character is like very just like sort of like stone, and like he doesn't care about anything. Well, you can tell like there's a lot going on behind the eyes. Yeah, it's like I think John Isaacs is really good about that. Like he performs with his eyes really well, and you can just tell it's like he's kind of like he's beating right into your soul and trying to figure out who you are and what you're about and. Uh, I, I hate him. I think he's a vile person. He never intimidates me simply because the long white hair, it's, you're never going to make that character intimidating. You, no, I don't know, though. But you know who like he reminds me of? Who? He, he reminds me of the villain in Ghostbusters 2, Vigo. <laughs> Vigo! Uh, or, or almost like a, like a Beowulf he type is of Vigo like, the Carpathian. Kind of a character. Sort of this like, you know, Scandinavian long blonde hair type yeah. of. That can be kind of scary. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's more of like the I don't way think Lucius he, Malfoy is. he moves rather because he's not like a beast. He's more of like he's like royalty almost. He walks around like a prince, right? Like I just don't feel like he does any of his own dirty work. Like he's not good at that. I don't trust him to actually get anything done. No, 
No, he's one. He's he's very like proper and like I'm right. Like, if I don't have to touch you, I won't. I'm just gonna get somebody else to do it. I'll get my house elf to do it. Um, this is the first time we see the term Muggle used really negatively, and it also brings up the thing I talked about last week, where you see Hermione's parents are there at Diagon Alley, oh, yes. which is probably so cool to them. They're like, I can't believe this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like I wonder. They seem pretty cool that their child is magic born. I would be so pumped. <laughs> Think about it. You, you yourself, right, lived your whole life. Imagine being an adult. You didn't know about any of this, but now because your child's a magic born, your world has also been opened up. That's incredible. You'd have to be happy for your child, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I, I would too. I, in theory, yes. Like, obviously knowing what it is, but like, if you're going off of kind of the reason why, like, the magic born stay hidden from the muggle worlds. I would assume it's because muggles generally like are. It's probably jealousy. Can partially. be advert- Yeah, and adverse yeah. to it. Well, it's like Aunt Petunia. Um, she she like hates Harry because her sister became the star of their family. Her sister was yeah. the magical one. She wasn't. That's true. I think I guess it's like it. It's it's implied in this world through what we see that if you're if you become chosen basically, or like if you if you show signs of being magic born. Then it's like almost like that's like you got into Harvard, basically. Yeah, you won the Harvard lottery. And then, <laughs> whereas like it's it's kind of the opposite then of like let's say what the X Men franchise did, which was they kind of t- um, took the maybe uh, experience of the how ostracized the gay community was. Yes, uh, you know, and it's like and the sort of the the things that that is also gotta be that is it. a big part of this because the non Muggles, the like Voldemort, uh, sorry, the the um. Yeah, the, the magical people, the pure blood magical people, the uh, Malfoy camp of people, they are very like the Magnetos versus the Dumbledore Professor X kind of camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely they have a like a eugenics type of you know yeah <laughs> Nazism thing going on where it's Aryan blood only basically. Yes, yes, and everything else is you know weaker. Um, so. Okay, so what happens next? Because we gotta we gotta start moving to Hogwarts. There's a lot more uh, to cover okay, here. So Harry and Ron miss the train because essentially Dobby uh, holds on. Basically, what my theory was from the last time, last movie, where they run straight into the wall uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, almost you know knock themselves out. Uh, so they get in the car, the Weasley car, and then drive it. But they don't uh, activate the cloaking device. So they said at least seven people see it. So here's a here's a question for you. What did you think actually happened when they hit that wall? Um, the, it, the basically the 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 whatever the what what whatever was concealing the doorway got sealed, right? By Dobby, right? Okay. So, so. you didn't think it was Dobby though at the time. At the time, I was like, actually, I did. Oh, it's, really? Because once he said like once it was set up in the beginning that it was like, oh, he he doesn't want him to go. I assume that now, like going forward, like. If these little oh. moments happen that are like preventing him, it's like, oh, that's it's it's Dobby doing. Oh, you this. caught on to that pretty quick. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, I think the car scene's really fun. I don't think there's like a ton to talk about here. Um, no, I love. I think it's I. Yeah. You know, the invisibility. Invisibility is fun. Uh, I think just like getting getting on the tracks and almost getting hit by the train, mm-hmm. and then like having to Harry almost falling out and holding on. That's all great. Uh, the Whomping Willow when they get to Hogwarts. That's probably the best part for me. I like the Whomping Willow at Hogwarts. 
I, I love just continuing yeah. to show how dangerous Hogwarts is. Specifically, For everything children. around Hogwarts is so dangerous. Yeah. Just, yeah, there's just, it's sitting on a, temp- a bunch of danger and there's like just everything everywhere. I'm surprised there isn't more deaths every year. Correct. <laughs> on top of the deaths that already occurred. Right. That you don't hear about. Right. Uh, so um, they make it out. And so this was, this is sort of a big deal. Harry, uh, Ron's, Ron's wand breaks. Yeah. That's like um, a big deal in this world because your wand is a generally speaking a very personal item. Like most people don't go get a second, you know, or a third. Like a lot of people don't just burn through wands or go to Ollivanders and get another wand. It's like your wand chooses you. Um, here's an interesting fact for you: it's not included in the movies. This wand was a hand-me-down from his brother. I see. Just like everything else, this was a hand-me-down from his brother Charlie. I think. It's really funny that he is just stuck his whole life with everything being hand-me-downs. Hmm. Yeah, and so I, I my question is though, it's like if if wands are like that important, it's like but they're made of wood, right? Well, no, like every wand has different cores and stuff and what they're made of. So I had you take that test to tell me to to yes. find out what your wand was. Do you, do you did you save that? Uh let me just log back in here to get my wand. Yes, I got the uh, so the test I took was I got the black walnut wood. Ooh. Uh, thirteen and three quarters in length. Oh, wow! Very. Uh, that's a an feather, endowed wand. A, yeah, a phoenix feather core. Ah, I've the same core as you. Ah, wow! We're just like Harry. Yeah, I've a I've a cypress wood with a phoenix feather core. And we have, and I have uh, unyielding flexibility. Oh. You have a very sturdy wand. I've slightly springy. I've got a little bit of give in my wand. Oh wow! Yeah. So I, that sucks for me. Then I can't sit on it. Uh, or if you if you do, it maybe it's sturdy enough that it will hold. It'll brace. You know, yeah, I just want to wanna like like sit on it pointy end. <laughs> no, 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 not <laughs> not with that size wand. No, no, no. Not thirteen and thirteen inches. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be running into some real problems there. Um, yeah. So yeah, everyone, everyone's wand is really special and unique to them. Um, I actually thought about this because, so throughout the rest of the movie, Ron is stuck with this wand. You don't see it in the next movie, but it's mentioned in the books. Um, he gets a new wand. Like obviously, in the next movie, they're not going to just still have him have a broken wand. It's yeah, it is the also, plot throughout the rest of this one. He spends the whole year with a broken wand. That's all. That's actually kind of an interesting because we, we were just talking about earlier about like you know the Weasleys and material wealth and but like there is money in this world, right? Like, in the magic world, so it's like uh, and obviously they can't just create money Correct. to like go buy new stuff. So for this is where some of the stuff of like having money is important. Yeah. So I feel like they are like they are still poor in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, they're just also not well off. I also don't think they're poor. I think just certain magical families, for instance, the Malfoys, look at them as being this, like, poor family because they're, like, the super rich. Yeah. Also, the Weezys could just be cheap. Right. Hence why all the hand-me-down stuff. Um, so so you, you won't actually, and it's the only reason I'm telling you because they don't spend any time in the movies on it. But in the next one, he does get his, he has his own wand. He has, like, a new wand. Uh, and in the books, he gets his own wand. And I, I think this is, again, something I mentioned in the first movie, which is when Ron first starts his journey, he's very much just another Weasley. But in each book, he becomes a little bit more his own unique Weasley. He's no longer just like another carbon copy Weasley. And so like him getting his own wand now in the next movie 
is like another piece to that. It's like, oh, this is just yours. Like no one else in the family will have had this wand anymore. Like you, you're not sharing this with someone. I think, I think really Ron is probably one of, if not the best characters in the whole thing. Uh, I think the Weasleys and Ron are like super awesome. I also think that partially it's Rupert Grunt is a great actor. I think he he's yeah. one of the best better actors in the sh- in the movie. Um, he's so good. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we get into the actual plot of the movie, uh, which is something is petrifying people and things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we first discover that uh, Mrs. Norris uh, Filch's cat. Oh well, wait. Where does that happen? I feel like you just skipped That's something the- here. I mean, some stuff happens. Oh, yeah. I'm so, to... <laughs> so very. I mean, like they go, they get. Well, they get in a fuck ton of trouble. Well, yeah, from the Wampy. Yeah, they get stuff, in a fuck yeah. ton of trouble for for driving yeah, but that's the car. Like every, every movie and every book. Yeah, right? they're just gonna get in a fuck ton of trouble. Well, let's just assume. I, that how about that howler? <laughs> the howler was great. The letter Ron gets. Oh yeah. From his mom, and it screams at him in front of everyone. Yeah, it's like I thought it, it was fine. That was probably the, the of all the magical things. I was like, eh, this is like the least interesting. And when they first get caught, Filch catches them. I wrote on my notes, I wrote, Filch is filth. <laughs> uh, I hate he's him. Just, you know, he just doesn't like Harry Potter because um, they like to sneak around places. Yeah. And Snape's quarters, by the way, we get to see Snape's quarters, which is really cool. That's like a new part of the world we got to finally look oh, at. Oh, yeah. They, they brought him to his his, uh, his office. Which, yeah. like, they built that because it's great because you're going to see Snape's quarters in more movies, too, forward. And it's just, he's got, like, potions and shit, like, everywhere. He's got, like, beakers and tubes and, like, all these colored chemicals. and Yeah. Pl- it reminds me of this guy I used to, like, live with. Yeah. Like, it's very cool. A long time ago, who had, like, a black tree in his room. It was weird. Um, And then, I'm just, I'm just looking. I just wanted to go excited uh, before we just skip to what happens there, where they get in trouble. There was, I had a couple more notes here. Um... This was something I didn't want to skip over. The mandrake. So we get to see the magical plants. Yeah. I thought that was great. That was a brand new class. We didn't see anything about. It was very good practical effects. They were very creepy. It was very annoying listening to them scream. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of like weird to think about. Like Later, they're going to get cut up and killed and made into juice. Yeah. But they're not really alive. The mandrakes. They're like weird. Uh, they like just a... look like a baby. Yes. You know? Yes. And they're actually, what's so funny is, have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? Yes, I have. So the, that's the exact same creature that's in Pan's Labyrinth. It's a mandrake. Yep. Um, but that she puts underneath the bed. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a fake, pl- like living plant. It, it almost like keeps yeah, you it's from like, using it's basically it. like a root that looks like a baby. Correct. Uh, and it screams. And then I, I had one other little note here. So <laughs> Ron's got the broken wand. First of all, Hermione has fixed glasses twice. How come no one just fixes his wand? I'm sh- I'm assuming you can't you probably use magic can't. to fix things like that. That's wands. what I was guessing too. Why? But he's using tape. So the next shot, he's using tape to fix his wand. Why is there tape? <laughs> Why in God's name would there be tape or scotch tape in Because sometimes in Hogwarts? you need it. <laughs> it would have been funny if you like on uh, Snape's desk, there's just like a pink stapler. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like stapling like two parchments together. Oh man! Um, so then, yeah. After that, we do see we see uh, Harry gets he hears a voice. He hears a voice. Um, what was he doing? He uh, he follows the voice, and and you see blood on the wall. Then you see the cat. Oh my god! That made me so sad the first time I saw that. Oh yeah, that made me so happy. No, I'm just joking. Because <laughs> I know you love cats. You're twisted. I know. I'm just. I'm teasing. It was, it was. I. 
you know, before obviously you learn about, like, I didn't really understand what, what was happening per se, but like, I was like, oh, that cat, like, A is dead and like, whoever did it, like, hung it up, like, mm-hmm. screwed up, like, that's fucked up. Um, but then, you know, you realize it, and I thought like someone used the blood of the cat to write the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I was like, okay, this is really screwed up for, even for Hogwarts. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, so Malfoy says some shit. Uh, when does he call Hermione a mudblood? Um, I think it's around this time, because basically there's like, uh, this stuff is happening, and then there's like the Quidditch match happens. I think it's during that time, right? Like, during oh, the, you like, know what it was? We actually had. We also saw Lockhart's class before we saw. Before, yes, that's right. That's right. Before the era, of, like the uh, Chamber of Secrets, it's where it's where you realize that he uh, uh, he doesn't know what he's doing, right? And you get to see a new spell, a lot of new spells in this movie. Uh, Hermione used Immobilis, and she freezes all of the pixies, which was very cool. Yeah, very. Also, um, the pixies remind me in Hellboy. Did you ever see those movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the second one with the uh, the tooth fairies, and then. Malfoy does eat slugs. Who does he do that to? Ron. And that was at the Quidditch outside. That was when we see them. So they don't actually play, but you see that he got the Nimbuses. Uh, And then after that is when, uh, and that was uh, when the mudblood term was used. I wrote that Malfoy is DeMont Jones here. Yeah, he he effectively is the the DeMont Jones. But like, if you're actually looking physically who DeMont Jones is, that's the head of the the Slytherin Quidditch team yeah. is Demacho, <laughs> except um, with worse teeth. <laughs> so, John, let's talk about Mudbloods. Yeah, Mudbloods. So, no um, no magical parents. So, you're, no. like, I guess, pure, not mud- magic blood. You're, like, you know, I guess. Let's see. Well, so, a Mudblood is, yeah, someone that comes from a family that is not pristine magic. Typically, it's no magical parents or only one magical parent. Basically, it's, like, calling someone a mutt. You know, yeah. Which, like Hagrid points out, there's basically almost no magical families. Don't at least if like you go through their family tree, have at least one person that wasn't magical. Yeah. You know? So like, it's like the I standards know, even on Harry's like, thing. It's like yeah. even though both his parents were magical, like uh, uh, his mother's parents weren't. Right, so. and it's like the the odds that like someone in the entire line of your family tree not having magic are probably so very high. You know. Yeah. But. Whatever. Unless, you're, uh, unless there's a lot of incest going on, which I assume is what's happening with the Malfoys. Yeah, they look like they're incestuous. <laughs> they look very incestuous. Um, there was a really sweet, cute moment, I think, between Hagrid and Hermione. Uh, because in the way that he points out, he's like, there's nothing that you could do, like, that you couldn't do that yeah. Malfoy. He was like, you're the smartest person at the school. Yeah. Also, a lot of bad things happen to Hagrid in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, you learn a lot about him. Um, (laughs) So then that's after this is when Harry hears the creepy shit in the walls and they catch him. John, did you catch the uh, Ravenclaw shout out? Um, I did not. Sorry. So when they all get ordered to go back into their rooms, they're like, all right, everyone go back to the rooms. Whoever the Ravenclaw like class head is, they just throw they go Ravenclaws. Follow me. It was the one time I think I heard the term Ravenclaw. That's, uh, that was like in the first movie, too. Remember after the sorting hat? They're like, Ravenclaw, follow me down the stairs. Uh, I wrote it down so. just simply because of the fact that they're so there is a major character coming in uh, very soon to the to the series that um she already, I believe, would have been mentioned by now. But also you said Gilderoy. 
uh, is a yeah. Gilroy Lockhart's a Ravenclaw, um, but there will be actually a major character who's a Ravenclaw, and it's one of my favorite characters. So that's that is good that that's coming. Uh, yeah. They go to McGonagall's class. Yes, and this is where they learn about the Chamber Secrets. Yeah, but that's after. That's after Professor McGonagall today goes. Today we're going to turn animals into water oh, yeah. goblets. Oh yeah. What the? <laughs> what? You know the classical magical spell of turning animals into cups. You know, yeah, you, you know, know the one. You know torture basically. You know, the one everyone's been waiting for. And hey, then, have you ever wanted to drink out of an animal? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you know because of Ron's broken wand, he proceeds to mutate his his rat <laughs> halfway, which I'm assuming the rat's like kill me. Kill me. Like, well, even if it's not, you just have like a fuzzy cup with a tail. It's gross. Yeah. You're not going to drink out of that. No. It's the weirdest. It's the strangest spell, and I kind of love it. Um, I somehow never caught that on previous <laughs> viewings, or I just forgot about it. Because when it happened, I was like, wait, hold on. And I rewound it, and I watched her say it again. <laughs> because I was like, this is the weirdest thing. Yeah. It's, uh, man. Uh, so the Chamber of Secrets... Uh, apparently the founders of Hogwarts, which is, uh, what, Gary Gryffindor. <laughs> Gary Gryffindor. <laughs> Sam Slytherin, Harry Sam Hugglepuff. <laughs> and whoever, Ra- Rhonda Ravenclaw. Uh, they all got together when they founded the school. So you got, you got it, you're close. It's Godric Gryffindor. That's right. Rowena Ravenclaw, yeah. Helga Hufflepuff, and Salazar Slytherin. Yeah, if you want a more evil name, it's like a Bond villain. Yeah, it is like a Bond villain. Um, yeah, Salazar like obviously had a very uh like the Malfoys in his descendants, or I guess they had a very pure. He didn't like the way that what the school was gonna do, accepting non magic folk or the sun the. Children of non-magic folk, I guess. He wanted to keep it pure. Right. So he built a... Wanted to keep it pure. Uh, essentially built a time bomb underneath the <laughs> school. And they couldn't... Uh, you know, all those centuries ago. And they couldn't find it. So... Um, and it's like... I guess it's implied by McGonagall that only the heir... Only like the descendant of Salazar Silver can open it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, so they're... The entire castle is magic. And it's massive. So there's going to be a lot of secrets hidden into this castle there's also and a lot was... of we'll learn later but there's a lot of like sewage and plumbing right which is also interesting <laughs> consider this though too when they made it right this was a long long time ago so the idea of building like a place to teach magic it wasn't like just for kids you know it was like this was going to be for everybody like, it's like university it's like night of magic and, like community college and everything Right. But also back then it was more like sorcery. It wasn't as structured as it is today. Um, yeah. And also this is where they lived. Right. So this is where they built the idea of like this is where magic got its like foundation in many ways. And so this is where they lived. So this was also their home. It wasn't just like, why would you hide this? Like make secrets out of school. It's like, well, no, like this was also their home. So this is a very magical place. It's it yeah. is probably the magical place in many ways. Um, briefly, I guess uh, another Quidditch match happens. Uh, Harry wins it again by catching the uh, snitch, uh, but in the process he breaks his arm. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then and then uh, it's Gilderoy, not Gilroy, right? Yeah, I think it's it's it has like an extra D in there. Uh, but he tries to fix it, but ends up taking out all his bones <laughs> out of his arm. 
which I thought that would have been extremely painful if suddenly you had no bones in your arm. <laughs> yeah, his arm getting turned to rubber was gross. Yeah, and then I like how it's like the solution is just hold it, bend it back, and hold it like up like that. <laughs> it was just another moment where you see that this guy is such a fucking phony. Yeah, and also um, the one ball that tried to kill, basically tried to hurt Harry. Uh, again, another example. I was like, oh, that's probably uh, Dobby. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that. cool was um, Hermione just blast that ball. None of the teachers care. None of them did anything no. about this. No. <laughs> like you know, people get, no one cares. People get hurt all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you could just regrow ro- bones or just heal someone like that, it's like, eh, that's fine. Like, this is how they're going to learn. Uh, yeah. It's a dangerous world out there. Like, you got to gotta learn the uh, hard way here. The, there's that random, like, new, like, uh, photographer kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a big part of the books. He's, like, obsessive with Harry and shows up constantly during the books. Yeah. The the fake news media of Hogwarts. Always trying. <laughs> well, and I like... We saw, again, more... I was writing them down as we saw new ones because I feel like you see a lot of repeat magic. So whenever you see new magic spells, it's fun. So Hermione used Finite Incantanto, which was basically like final incantation and just like explodes the ball. Uh, and then he tried to fi- like fix him with something called Brachian Amendo, which clearly did not work. But I love that the nurse the nurse calls out Malfoy and calls out Lockhart because later, like when the nurse goes in to work on Harry, Malfoy's on his bed just moaning and she goes, she's like, oh, be quiet. You're fine. You can leave. Yeah. (laughs) And then just keeps walking. And then she goes over to Harry and she's like, well, if they called me before he fucked you up, like you'd be fine. But now you're going to have to go through this very painful experience. Yeah. Um, So I guess to figure out who is the heir of Salazar, Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe it's Malfoy. So, but they have to, I guess, catch him in the act of saying that he's the one that's like opening the chamber. Well, so the next thing that happens is that uh, during the night, while Harry's in there overnight having his bones regrown, the child, the photographer, got petrified. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, and then you see spiders just crawling away. From yeah, him. and that's where he like he hears about the chamber of secrets. You know, Dumbledore's like, we know one thing: the chamber of secrets has been opened again. It's our worst fear. Yeah. So that's why they're like, okay, we got to figure this out. Yeah. So they're like, oh, uh, Hermione's like, oh, I can make a potion that allows us to impersonate Crab and Goyle. Mm-hmm. To Which, infiltrate- thank goodness, Hermione is paying attention in Snape's Polyjuice Potions class. Yep. Um, in, in Snape's Potions class. like, uh, So she used what's called Polyjuice Potion, which is such an awesome idea. Yes. Um, I thought that was cool. Like, well, yeah. Uh, in the bathroom... Uh, we meet a ghost named Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle. Oh, oh man. Jesus Christ. Uh, this Moaning actually, Myrtle. I think, you know, some say Dobby is the most annoying character in this movie. I think Moaning Myrtle is the most annoying character in this movie. Just yeah. because I just, her voice just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't can know see what that. The, I don't what she's supposed to be, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, it, 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 she just feels like she stepped out of she's like. She's supposed to be annoying. She feels like she stepped out of. Um, uh what's the never mind <laughs> no no i was gonna think what the what the movie is uh rocky horror picture shows feels like she like stepped out of that well you know an interesting thing about moaning myrtle she's supposed to be a kid yes she's played by an actress who at this time is almost 30 years old 
So it's like, yeah, that's, that's what's kind of weird about it. It's like she's dressed up and her hair is in a style that's like, oh, yeah. you're a child. But yeah. like, it's like an adult child. Yeah. It, I always thought that was weird because she never seemed like a child. And so I looked it up and I was like, she's like almost 30 when they filmed this. Why? It, which it's the only reason I think it sticks out because in so many other movies that wouldn't stick out. But it sticks out because in this movie, they actually have 12-year-olds playing 12-year-olds. <laughs> so to have someone who's almost 30 playing someone, let's say, who's at her oldest 17, if she's like a, a final year student, still get like almost twice the age, you yeah. know? So it sticks out in a weird way. But I thought the actress did a great job. She's supposed, like, having read the books, John, that is very much Moaning Myrtle. Like, okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, like, I mean, Hermione's like, no one comes in here. Like, we're going to be fine in here. We, yeah. If anything, this and should again, just be our secret, like, hideout because no one comes in here. Yeah. And again, second movie now in a row where we're inside a girl's bathroom. Yeah. A lot of time spent in the bathroom. And not, to, not the boys' bathroom, though. No. No, and this was a very nice bath. This was a huge bathroom. And apparently these bathrooms have been around for a long time because there's some secret doorways in them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, seeing Harry and Ron turn into Crab and Goyle is good. I like that the potion's not perfect. Like, it's they still have their own voices. Yeah, and that, like, uh, Harry keeps his glasses on at first. Right, <laughs> right. And he's also got a... <laughs> he's got... Like it's it's um like drunk history. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, <laughs> and I also thought the line where he has his glasses, where he talks to Malfoy, that might be the funniest line in the whole movie. When Malfoy just looks at him, and goes, "I didn't know you could read." Yeah, <laughs> it's like you realize how like dumb these two are. <laughs> I thought that was maybe the funniest thing in the whole movie. Also, like it makes it seem that like the Slytherin house must be so like uncomfortably boring. Like, and it's just because it's just full of like these like uh, very pretentious like leader mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. figures. And then like they're like sort of subordinates around them <laughs> to the point where someone like Malfoy has Paul. Like the kid is a second year student. He should be looked down upon. Yeah. But it, it's clear that he is uh, gaining some power there because of his family and his money. Yeah. So they learn here, though, that uh, Malfoy has no idea. What's you know he's not the heir and doesn't know who it is. Uh, mentions about the girl that died back in the in the chamber fifty years ago. And basically, they didn't get a lot of info out of here. All they found out is they were wrong. It's not just it just like wasn't Malfoy. Although they yeah. weren't totally wrong about Malfoy, but yes, it's and not then, Malfoy. Uh, but when they get back to the uh, uh, bathroom, uh, <laughs> they learn that uh, <laughs> Hermione's still a cat. Right, which they didn't know she was a cat. They were just like, yeah. Myrtle's just laughing her ass off. Yeah, but then uh, Harry finds a diary. Yep. Now, and the diary l- later, I guess, uh, Harry, real like, uh, it's blank, but it's because, I guess, when you write in it, it's like you're actually act- like talking to like a person. Right. It's a magic diary. Magic diary, and it's owned by a And there's so guy. much magic shit that, like, he wouldn't know that this is weird he's just like oh okay yeah um and it's owned by this guy named tom riddle now i didn't like i when i i heard of that name before but i did not make the connection that they obviously end up to so i was actually surprised when i when i realized that's awesome i i was as well the first time i saw it and then it had been so long from seeing the movies to reading the books for myself um that by the time i read the books i hadn't 
Like, I had forgot that that was the thing. Yeah. So when I read the books, it was also a surprise. Fun fact about that is in every region that the books are released, they came up with a different anagram for Tom Marvolo Riddle so that it would work out for I'm Lord Voldemort. Oh, for every every uh, thing. Yeah, for like different languages. That's cool. Which is probably difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in in this sort of flashback that uh, Harry gets to see through the diary, uh, we see young Hagrid, mm-hmm. who used to be a student. Yes, he was. And he's very, it's very, uh, Hagrid's whole thing is very Hodor-like. Oh, especially here. Yeah. I mean, this isn't even Hodor. This is like Princess Bride. Yeah, but yeah, it's just sort of the where Hagrid is now versus where he was. It's kind of like ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The 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 you know the sad disappointment of like him being on the the wrong end of things. I love Hagrid. Yeah, he gets basically gets blamed the last time mm-hmm. the chambers open. Um, just uh, I guess we should kind of burn through this, but <laughs> uh, with the basically um, they learn when Harry gets out of the diary. Um, they learn that Hermione has been petrified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, while in the um, library. Yeah. So they, uh, I'm trying to think what else. We, we skipped something this. big by accident. Uh, I, I wasn't looking at my notes, but we skipped probably one of the best scenes in the whole movie, which is after you meet Moaning Myrtle, we go before they do the polyjuice potion and they have the, uh, they have the duel. That was oh yeah, because that's also where we learned that Harry could talk to snakes. Right, and that duel is incredible because it starts out with Malfoy taking a cheap shot. Yeah, he basically goes before three. Yeah, and, he and then Harry blasts him. Malfoy shoots out a snake, and then we see Harry do. You know, he talks to the snake, which we'd seen before, but we never saw it like this from the perspective of other people. And it's yeah. creepy. Yeah, it's kind of like your if your friend just started talking in tongues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. How did you think feel about this? Because I thought that I think parcel tongue is like one of the coolest magic things in the whole series. I think it's such a fun, awesome idea. It's cool. It's just a little weird coming out of Daniel Radcliffe's mouth. Uh, I mean, it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, and then, it's cool. I think it's a cool language. That's after that, Harry takes off and goes to Dumbledore's office, and then he meets. Um, the Phoenix oh, for yeah, the first right. time. The he hears about Godric Gryffindor for the first time. Yes. So. Um, yeah, so we got all that. Uh, yeah, we learned the Phoenix. Yeah, so then, then there's Apologic Ocean, then Tom Riddle, uh, and then they head out to go talk to Hagrid because of what he learned from Tom Riddle. Yeah, and when they Using get the there, visibility cloak. Right. Hagrid is arrested. Yeah, Dumbledore, the, min- the Minister of Magic, and then Lucius Malfoy all show up. Dumbledore is removed from the head of Hogwarts and Hagrid is being taken to the prison of Azkaban, which we hear about for the first time. Yes. Um, he, But before he leaves, he basically tells the Ron and uh, Harry to follow the spiders. Yep. Uh, they do uh, they, where they, they do. They basically go into the woods where they meet the giant spider Aragog, who they at first thought was what the creature was long ago back in the day right that, uh was originally opened they realized that's not the case but also the, the spider and all his brethren want to eat them <laughs> uh what do you think about those spider stuff uh, they're just creepy i mean yeah like um not that i would want them to cut it from the story 
but like this was one of the only things that I felt like there's probably a way around it or to shorten it. Um, but yeah. then again, I think I think not having another like red herring would kind of take away from the mystery, and all the stories have like an element of mystery, so it was good to have in the story. I just fucking hate spiders, man. I guess I just hate spiders is the thing I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I thought it was. They did a pretty decent job with like the CG and like the spider effects. Um, the car apparently has its own sentient beingness mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and saves mm-hmm. them. Uh, they get to fly out of there, save them from the spiders. I mean, here's what I wrote. I wrote, follow the spiders. Uh, always be help. There'll always be help to those who ask for it. And then I wrote, I hate spiders. Great. Back into the goddamn forest. And I said, fuck Aragog. And then, <laughs> then I wrote... Hagrid is a goddamn lunatic keeping all those spiders yeah. in the forest. Also, what was he thinking with the kids? That's so many spiders. They're huge. That <laughs> is like, way hey, too to- many spiders. <laughs> yeah. They need to burn think- that forest down. Like, I-, I know we feel bad for Hagrid, but he's doing a bad job as a gamekeeper. He's doing a terrible job. Um, it's also, like, I think beat for beat. This is very similar to a lot of stuff that happens in the Sorcerer's Stone in terms of, like, you go to the woods after the midpoint, you know, for kind of a yeah. I mean, this is scene. sort of like there's a bit of a theme that like follows through in a lot of these. Um, yeah, which um, is like you go into like there's a little bit of a setup. You go to Hogwarts, you find out about something in Hogwarts, but then to find out about it, you have to leave Hogwarts. Then you go back to Hogwarts with the new information you have. You know, and you go someplace under Hogwarts for a finale. Right. <laughs> yep. That's <laughs> that is sort of what happens in all of them to uh, an extent. They learn that the monster is not a spider, but in fact a basilisk. Basilisk, yeah. Uh, they learn that from a page that uh, Hermione had gripped in her hand when she was petrified. Which a basilisk is just a giant serpent, like a snake, that will kill you if you look at its eyes, which is a pretty scary... But if you look at it indirectly, yes, you will only be petrified. Correct. So they learn that but of all the people that... Got fruit that got uh, petrified. They saw them between either like a reflection in the water, through a camera, through a ghost. Because oh yeah, headless Nick got also frozen. Right, which was very cool, and also like what? And also creepy as hell. It's like he's hanging there. Just... And also what? Yeah, he's a he's already yeah. dead. <laughs> well, they, didn't they say like oh it's like it didn't really like he would only like that temporarily. Like he was fine later. Right, but also how? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then they also learned that Myrtle was the one that the Basilisk killed fifty Correct. years ago. Yep. So they go they go talk to her. Find the uh in the bathroom they actually find the uh, entrance to the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. And then they go to get Professor Lockhart. Yes, they get they because Lockhart uh is told by McGonagall I think right to yeah uh to go oh yes because. Ginny Weasley was has been taken right, and Lockhart was basically volunteered by Snape, who can tell like Lockhart's a fucking phony. He knew Lockhart was a fucking phony, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, this seems like your avenue. Why don't you take care of this?" And Lockhart's like, "I would be my pleasure. Let me. Well, I just need to go to my office. Yeah, let me. Cause he's or like, he, well, you we're... said you know where the Chamber of Secrets is, right? <laughs> Enlighten us. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like packing all his shit. Yeah." <laughs> so funny i i don't understand why harry and them didn't like go get mcgonagall and snape and lock like get everyone yeah like hey we you know this person is a fraud and we need all the help we can get right get everybody (laughs) but it's more like they're like 
no, like out of principle, we're going to make you go through this, Lockhart, because right. you tricked us. Correct. So, like, we don't care if we're going to die as long as you die with us. But that's where you learn Lockhart's <laughs> not terrible at magic. He's just only good at wiping people's memories. He's great at that. Uh, in fact, he's so good, he wipes his own memory. Yeah. Accidentally. Because he uses Ron's broken wand, which yeah. is what the payoff of ba- basically making Ron have to take a back seat for the rest of the movie was. <laughs> it must have been so annoying for Ron for an entire year to have a broken wand. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so they go down in the plumbing, sewage, kind of a... Uh... Mm-hmm. Which you learn, like, Harry used parcel tongue to open up the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, that was cool. I love that door. No one was able to do it because none of them yeah. knew the dark magic. Like it's that's like a, a very limited. And also, Harry skill. learns that he has parcels on because Voldemort gave it to him. Right, which you'll find out later. When he's baby. Yeah. Yes, that's accidentally, true. it's like a piece of Voldemort was imprinted on to Harry. Some of his powers. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So in the Chamber of Secrets, Harry finds Ginny and then sees t- the Tom Riddle. From the diary. Yep. And who reveals. I love how like Tom, he like has to like literally spell out his name. Spell out the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. One letter at a time. Yeah. I instead, thought the exact same of, thing. Instead of like just like whooshing it around. like Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I thought the uh, exact same thing. That was funny. Yeah. And then we, and we see the Harry fights the Basilisk. And uh, the Basilisk pretty, fights pretty good. Pretty, yeah. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, visually, there's some cool stuff. Um, really, uh, oh, uh, Fox the Phoenix comes in, um, easily blinds the Basilisk. I thought mm-hmm. was kind of mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's kind of easy <laughs> to take out. It's well, and I think this was the thing where like that's what Dumbledore was sort of saying, like, hey, like I got your back. Yeah, I just like, think it was Fox like, oh, he re- like go. like very quickly was able to gouge that that snake's eyes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, which just shows Dumbledore kind of knows what's going on, but I think Dumbledore also knows he doesn't have the ability to solve these things. Like it sort of has to be Harry for a number of it's reasons. Like, like Dumbledore long... couldn't open the chamber, but he also he knows it's a long con for like he's he's training Harry. In right. It's like it's kind of like you can obviously see this as like he's a bad teacher or a negligent teacher in some ways, or you can say like by letting them figure it out on their own and they're growing significantly as people into strong because maybe you know Dumbledore knows that uh Voldemort is returning and he needs a Mm -hmm. strong Harry Potter to fight him so yeah um, it's like an old ass Dumbledore isn't going to be enough of a threat for Voldemort you need a equivalent good guy it's kind of frustrating to watch though because you're like okay you're letting these things kind of get out of control some people could have died oh yeah absolutely (laughs) Like Dude. it's it's very much like a social experiment on Dumbledore's part here. <laughs> uh, what do you think? I love the way that he a he was able to get Godric Gryffindor's sword yes. from the hat because of his loyalty and bravery. Um, but also B, I loved the idea, the fact that he took this fang, which I I I'm, I like that. Like every time Harry gets into these situations, he always gets kind of beat up and scuffed up, yeah. and is like almost near death. Like it's never a cakewalk for him. Um, he always makes it out alive, but it's never a cakewalk for him. He's always putting his himself on the line. He takes that fang and just fucking stabs that book, and the book's bleeding out. That was oh, so yeah. cool. Like, oh, but, but, and even before that, like when he takes a certain stab to the boss, looks uh, the head of the creature. Yeah, it's like that was kind of like I'm like, Ugh. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for, you know, a book and a, a movie that's made for 12-year-olds. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, he, kill, he kills a unique and interesting creature <laughs> that probably will never see the likes of again. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he stabs the diary. He basically defeats whatever, like, I guess, is Riddle... Is he Voldemort or is he sort of just like a... He like... is. So like Tom Riddle w- became Lord Voldemort and he put a... He put... Like he imbued his essence into that book. Okay. So I, I guess the question is like... It's like it's almost like a... Is the diary and the projection of Riddle almost like kind of like a program? I mean, think of it as a, like in this magical world, there's clearly souls because there's ghosts. Yeah. It's like a part of his essence but it it wasn't enough of him that he could just come back at any point he needed to be able to like drain the life of another person to restore his own life got it okay so he defeats that saves Ginny. uh then then he's dying though but then the the phoenix's tears saves him which was also very cool and the close-up like the practical with the with uh the phoenix was awesome yeah that was sad to watch a bird cry yeah (laughs) Very cool. Um, I also I loved when like you're first introduced to the Phoenix. Dumbledore's like, "Oh, it's a shame for you to have to come on a day such as this on a burning day." It's like, no, are you kidding? Like seeing a Phoenix like burn and then reemerge like is probably the coolest day you could ever see a Phoenix. Yeah, and do they do Phoenixes like uh, procreate or is it just like the same one over and over again? It seems like it's the same one. There's probably many Phoenix, but only like a do certain not amount, know. set amount. Like they can't. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, it's kind of like Groot. Yeah. A little bit like Groot. <laughs> I can see Groot popping up in this, uh, in this world. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. Groot's, Groot's father is the Whomping Willow. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Groot kind of is in the movie. Um, so, the, like, basically the last scene takes place in Dumbledore's office. Kind of a wrap-up <laughs> of... Uh, Whatever happened, uh, Lucius makes an appearance, and this is where we learn that yeah. Dobby is, you know, uh, servant to Lucius and House Malfoy. Yeah, you know what's what's interesting is um, the f- the final of this year they don't spend really as much time with being like who wins the House Cup this year, like who was the yeah winning house, like that was much more of the first year. Although that does still play into the larger story and in other years uh in the books like it's mentioned every year like it's always a bigger part of it um i thought i thought the moment where you know harry's like am i bad because he brings up you know when you first enter dumbledore's office earlier in the movie he talks to the hat and he's like you're wrong like i wouldn't yeah be good in slytherin you know and the hat's like no i still think you would have done well there um but then dumbledore tells you like no, I think you're in the right place, obviously. Like, the hat said you could go to Gryffindor, and he's like, well, I chose that. And he's like, but you chose that, and it gave it to you because, look, like, you got Gryffindor's sword. And even though maybe you have a a piece of Voldemort's powers in you, and those powers might be dark, like, at the same time, you wouldn't get that sword if you weren't meant to be a Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, like, his his lineage with his parents because they were also in Gryffindor, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's yes, yeah. Dumbledore is uh, a Gryffindor as well. Yeah, it seems like all all so. the great people. This is kind of bullshit. Why <laughs> yeah. aren't they all Ravenclaw? Yeah. What the hell? They're you're gonna meet some great all Ravenclaw right. soon. Right. Um, soon. So then Lucius shows up. Yes, with Dobby. Yes, and Harry accuses Lucius of the one of who 
of planting the diary in Ginny's cauldron. Yes, he does. But we don't have we don't know for sure if he was the one that did it. Oh, he definitely <laughs> is the one who does it. <laughs> but he doesn't do that in front of Dumbledore. He does that to him on his own, which I thought was a very brave move for this child to go do and speak up to this uh, this man who basically goes to attack this child. Yes. And then Dobby saves him. After Harry tricks Lucius into giving Dobby a sock. <laughs> which is such an amazing moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I we were talking about this a while earlier, but uh, I feel like, yes, it's probably just carelessness on Lucius' parts, but I feel like if you just accidentally hand your house elf like a piece of clothing, I think that that, that could happen a lot, right? <laughs> no, but you, you think that could happen a lot from a muggle world. In a non-muggle world, you're never picking up your own clothing. It's just not something that's going to happen in their reality. And if you're the kind of person that has a house elf, you're never, like, it's just not going to happen. That you would you would be sure that it doesn't happen. I think in our day to day life it would probably happen, but in their life it would not happen. At least not by accident. I just think also because it's Harry's sock and not Lucius's sock. Yeah, but it's just a article of clothing. Okay. You know, and also Dobby doesn't know that. Dobby just knows he was handed this book from his owner, from his master, that has a sock, and then he's just like, "Oh my God, you gave me a sock! I'm free! Dobby's free!" And like. He's yeah. like, what are you talking about? No, I didn't. And then Harry sort of sneakily shows him his ankle. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, it was very good. Um, uh, and yeah, then and then Dobby everyone's healed from the Mandrake uh, potion that was made. <laughs> All the people that were petrified. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, Which is a, a great setup and foreshadowing. If you had paid attention like earlier in the ep- in the movie, you would have picked up like, oh, okay, they're setting up this whole thing now for later. Yeah, and I think I think the whole thing they set up also was that I think the people that were petrified were going to be fine once they got the mandrake, but it was like basically without eventually the 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 creature was going to kill somebody by looking it straight in the face. Yeah, so far they they were lucky that they yeah. saw it in a reflection first. Had that not been the case, all of those people would have been dead. Yeah. So, um had that ghost not been there, had he not been looking through the camera, was the water not around, there'd be a couple dead children and a dead cat. Yeah. And so uh, this, the the final final scene is they're all in the great hall, and they're about to like I guess have a party, and then Hagrid comes. He's been released from Azkaban, and I don't know about you, but did it? It seemed to me that the way that Hagrid's acting, and he kind of walks in, he's like, "Sorry, I'm late. I guess the I think something really bad happened to him in prison." <laughs> yeah, you're gonna find out about Azkaban in the next movie, and it's gonna recontextualize where Hagrid's been for a while. Yeah, I think he um. I'm not saying he got raped in prison, but something bad happened to him. You're going to find out about Azkaban. Um, he just, the like, movies he... get darker as they go on. And uh, the next yeah, movie he, he is like... He just had like... an expression on his face that was just bad. <laughs> the third movie is one of my favorites because it's also like the turning point in the series from where they go from this childhood sort of dark world. Almost the perfect mixture of these movies being very dark and also being fun and whimsical. Cool. The next movie is a significant jump in that direction great so yeah you're gonna find out about Hagrid and that's also because uh not only is Ron's wand broken but he has a shitty owl oh yeah that's right (laughs) Uh, but at least Hagrid showed up for the Gryffindor celebration because once again Gryffindor got a crap ton of points because her Harry and Ron saved the day yeah and they I guess they won the cup again right yep yeah which again I'm sorry but if you save the school from like imminent death you probably deserve it yeah but if you're doing now that two 
years in a row. There's something <laughs> so, so wrong with what? the school. <laughs> okay, that's true. But it's not Harry's fault that he has to keep saving it. Yeah, but at or some point it it's like, I think if I was the other house, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Like, we're following maybe the rules here. Maybe they need here. to step up. Maybe they need to step up. But now you're going to have, like, rogue houses, like, going off and trying to think that they need to save the school. And, like, people are going to get killed because they're not Harry Potter. So Hey, man, not everybody can be the boy who lived. Yeah. <laughs> you're just upset that you're in Ravenclaw. No, Ravenclaw. I'm just upset this was a two-hour and 40-minute movie. <laughs> like, we thought the first one was long. And I was like, oh, man. No, this, is, this is only two minutes longer. Yeah, but still. <laughs> No, I I think it's good. So, what do you think? You you enjoy this movie overall? I think I think from like if you if you put both together, first two movies as like a five hour movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a, a fine kind of like taking two books and like it's kind of its own adventure. I think both of them have like their ups and downs. Um, yeah, and but overall, I think it was fine. I think it was I think it was good. You know? And now, as someone that you know, again, you're new to the Harry Potter universe. Where are you on your expectation of this? Are you possibly enjoying it more than you thought? What are your favorite things so far? Um, I'm glad I'm past this phase of like early Harry Potter, and I'm excited to see as they get older, and also like as the series gets darker. Yeah, I think that's what I'm more excited for. And it's like the the great next to have movie part, is but... considered by many to be the best. Yeah, so. That's, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm excited now for the next few movies and yeah. going from there so, and stuff. Uh, uh, the next movie, I'd say the third and, and the fifth are my two favorite movies. The next movie is going to be a big departure from what you just saw, simply because it not only has a new director, but it has the new Dumbledore. That's right. Last, This was the last role for Richard Harris. Yes. So, Okay, John. Well, that's going to wrap up at the Chamber of Secrets. Thank you, everyone, for listening and celebrating Harry Potter's birthday with us. John, if people want to keep up with you and connect with us on Watchworld, besides using hashtag Watchworld on Twitter, how can they converse with you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Johnny B. Good in LA. It's just a letter B, as in B. Good, um, on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, um, I'm on the show Wishboning that we have on this network, as well as the Zeitheist podcast. Boom. Which you should know how to spell Zeitheist if you don't. It's under author. When you look at the podcast page, you can click on Zeitheist. We have a number of other shows. There's the Zeitheist podcast, Unranked, Wishboning, Thank You for Questing, many others that you can check out. Now, if you want to keep up with me in particular, I'm at Christian underscore Humes. And what I would like to do, as we always do here on Watchworld, is leave you with a quote. Uh, since, since this is Mr. Harris's last film with us, we're going to leave you with another Dumbledore quote. It's not our abilities which show us who we are. It's our choices. (laughs) 